All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and get started this beautiful Shabbat afternoon. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Harnjah Messianic Synagogue. Today we are in and we'll be in Shemot chapter 5 today. Before we start, we're going to go ahead and pray the bracha. Blessed are you, Adonai God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. Bimru. Hallelujah. So we're going to be starting today, not in Vayira, but we're going to go to Parashat Shemot, last week's Parashat, just to give some context, and then we'll jump into uh, this week's Parashat. So we're going to be in Shemot chapter 5, verse 1. Hopefully you're following along. Uh, again, that is Shemot chapter 5, verse 1, Exodus 5, 1. This is what it says. Afterwards, Moshe and Aharon came and said to Pharaoh, So said Hashem, the God of Israel, Send out my people that they may celebrate for me in the wilderness. Pharaoh replied, who is Hashem that I should heed his voice to send out Israel? I do not know Hashem, nor will I send out Israel. So that's the ultimate disrespect right there. I don't know if you guys have ever had a situation where somebody would say, uh, hey, so-and-so said this, right? I'll, I'll use David as an example. David said this, and somebody you know, responds, who? <laughs> right? And they do know David, they're just like, who? Like, just as a way of, of sliding the individual, right? Well, this is Pharaoh uh, doing that to Hashem himself, right? Uh, and in fact, the Midrash, we're going to be studying from the Midrash Shabbat today, uh, tells us that Pharaoh asked his advisors, which he had a lot, he said, uh, hey guys, have you all ever heard of this God, this Hashem God that he's talking about? No, uh, why don't you research in the books of all the gods? So they, they searched all the books, and they could not find his name anywhere, right? And the Midrash compares that to, uh, I'm sorry, the Midrash uses a parable to kind of illustrate the foolishness of that. It says that there was a, an individual, individual looking for a Kohen. A Kohen is a priest, right? He was looking for a Kohen, he couldn't find him. So he goes and searches for him in the cemetery. Right? And he's looking to and fro all over the cemetery and he can't find him. And finally he goes back into town and he asks everybody, where's the Cohen? And then they ask, where have you been looking for him? Oh, in the cemetery. Fool, why would a Cohen be in a cemetery? <laughs> Cohen, Kohanim are forbidden to be around death. They cannot be in a cemetery. It is, it's Torah law. You cannot do that. In fact, that applies even today to Kohanim. Uh, we were in Israel a few weeks back and we were on a tour uh, and the foot, it was called the footsteps of the Maccabees, which is amazing. It was obviously during Hanukkah, and so it was very appropriate. So we're taking the, going to the spots where the battles were fought, uh, that we, we, uh, celebrate, in which we celebrate Hanukkah and, and where the, where the Maccabees lived, and it was, it was really amazing. Well, on some of those spots, one in particular, it, we went to the grave of the, of the Maccabees. We went to where they were buried. And in our group, there was about maybe 20 of us or so. In our group was a Kohen. There was a, a priest, a Kohen there. Um, he's not dressed like a priest. He's dressed like a regular guy, of course, but because there's no temple, so right? He can't serve right now. Uh, 
but he stayed at the entrance, right? He didn't go in because Kohanim cannot be in cemetery, right? So they're looking for a Kohen in a cemetery. Ridiculous. So they turn to Pharaoh and say, how could you possibly look at all these books for our living God among all the dead? Amen? Those gods are dead, is what they're saying, right? Listen to what um, Shemot Rabbah, Shemot Rabbah, when I say anything Rabbah, it's Midrash Rabbah for Shemot, Midrash Rabbah for Exodus. Or if I say, next book will be Vaikra, Vaikra, Vaikra Rabbah, right? So right now we're in Shemot Rabbah, 514. Listen to what it says. Pharaoh said to Moshe and Aharon, from the outset you are lying, for I am the master of the world, not God, and I created myself and the Nile River. You catch that? Not only did he slight Hashem, but now he's saying, not only, not only are you lying about this supposed God, but I'm actually God. I actually created myself. Can anybody else say that they created themselves? And I created the Nile River. The Nile River gives us life, all of Egypt. Listen to uh, our Haftarah today. Uh, Roe read our Haftarah portion today. Part of the Haftarah is from, uh, or our Haftarah is from Yechezkel 29.3. That's Ezekiel 29.3. Listen to what it says. It talks about Pharaoh. Um, speak and say, thus says Hashem Elohim. Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great crocodile lying in his rivers, who says, listen, my Nile is my own. I made it for myself. Okay? So the, the oral Torah and the written Torah are going hand in hand. Well, it's not really the Torah. It's, it's, the, it's the Nevi'im. It's, it's, the, it's the prophets. The Tanakh is going hand in hand with the, uh, with the Mizrah Shabbat. Many people in life live like they created themselves. I don't know if you guys notice that. Right? Like they're their own God, right? Make up their own rules, right? Or lack thereof, right? And they just literally like in their own universes that they created, right? Um, that's a dangerous place to be when you have the same mentality as Pharaoh who says, um, actually, I created myself and the Nile as well. <laughs> Crazy, right? Now, we're going to fast forward with that context we're going to fast forward to chapter 7. In, in this week's parashat, Vayira, we're going to go to Shemot 7.14. That's uh, Exodus uh, 7 and verse 14. And this is what it says. Hashem said to Moshe, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He has refused to send the people. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. Behold, he goes out to the water. And you shall stand opposite him at the river's bank. And the staff that was turned into a snake, you shall take in your hand. There's a lot here that if you don't know, if, if we don't have the oral Torah, we will never understand the insights here. Listen to what Shemot Rabbah 9.9 tells us. Pharaoh would only go out to the water, to the Nile River in the morning, in the early morning, before everybody woke up, before the sun rose. The reason why is because of this. The, that wicked one would praise himself and say that he is a god. We already established that. But listen, this is what he said. To, to separate himself from humanity. That he does not need to go out and relieve himself. He's saying, I don't got to go to the bathroom like you human beings. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that interesting? Right? Now, since Pharaoh, since Pharaoh was a god, air quotes, right? How could he possibly be involved 
in such a repulsive act as going to the bathroom like we mere humans and even animals, right? If he's a God, he shouldn't be doing that, right? He's different. He's, he's a creator, <laughs> right? For this reason, for this reason, he will go out in the morning, Pharaoh will go out in the morning to the river and relieve himself in the water so that the water would hide it. Respond. And he will go out early in the morning so that no one would see him. Right? I mean, if you've got to go that far to prove that you're a god to everybody, I mean, come on now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How many people do that, though? They lie to themselves about things. Right? They convince themselves about certain things, and they go out of the way to, to uh, personify that to everybody, to, sh- to demonstrate that, yes, this is me, this is me, this is me. This is, this is who I am. And then in secret, in reality, they're not, it's not really them. Right? They just pose as something that they're actually not. That's what Pharaoh was doing here. So this is why. Now you do understand why Hashem told Moshe to go out in the morning? Listen to what the Midrash says. God therefore commanded Moshe precisely when Pharaoh is attending to his need, right when he's doing his number one, he's doing his business, stand opposite him and catch him in the act. <laughs> that you're a God. Yeah. What, what are you doing there, Pharaoh? I know you're not doing the bathroom because you're a god, right? Are you, are you swimming or what? Busted. <laughs> right? And God added, listen to this. And the staff that was turned into a snake, you shall take in your hand. Now, we didn't get to that one. We skipped that. Right? You guys know what happened there, right? He go, Moshe and Aharon go before Pharaoh, right? The first meeting, the first approach. Let my people go. They may celebrate for me in the wilderness. And then the staff turned into a serpent. The, the sorcerers did the same thing with theirs. Hashem's or Aharon's staff turned back, I'm sorry, serpent turned back into a staff and swallowed their snakes as a staff. How about that? <laughs> it wasn't a snake that swallowed the snakes. It turned back into a staff and swallowed the snakes. So that's the context of what's going on here with Aharon. Holding up that staff. Because he said that, he, th- he said this so that Pharaoh would be afraid of Moshe. Now, why would, be, why would he be afraid of Moshe? This is what, we're going to look into that here in just a second. We're going to go to 16, uh, same chapter, now verse 16. Shemot 7, 16. It says this, You shall say to him, Hashem, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you, saying, send out my people that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not heeded up to now. So says Hashem, through this shall you know that I am Hashem. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I shall strike the waters that are in the river, and they shall change to blood. The fish life that is in the river shall die, and the river shall become foul. Egypt will grow weary of trying to drink water from the river. Hashem said to Moshe, say to Aharon, take your staff. And stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, over their canals, over their reservoirs, and over all their gatherings of water. And they shall become blood. There shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in the wooden and stone vessels. Moshe and Aharon did so. As Hashem had commanded, he held the staff aloft and struck the water that was in the river in the presence of Pharaoh and in the presence of his servants. And all the water that was in the river changed to blood. Now, 
Again, what staff is Aharon using to strike the Nile? The same staff that had just swallowed Pharaoh's sorcerer's servants. Right? Shemor Rabbah 9.7 explains this. Listen. Hashem said, If the serpent of Aharon will swallow the serpents of the Egyptians, because that's what happened, the staff swallowed the serpents. There is nothing remarkable in that. I mean... If a snake swallows another snake, I mean, they do that all the time, right? What's so remarkable about that? For it is a natural occurrence that a snake swallows a snake. Rather, let a Haron serpent return to its original state as a staff and then swallow their serpents. Pharaoh was astonished and, and said this. This is, where, this, is where, this is why he got so scared. Listen to what he said. He saw that. Oh, my gosh. A, a stick just ate snakes. This is what he said. What if Aharon says to the staff, swallow Pharaoh now? <laughs> that bad boy is going to swallow me in an instant. And he got terrified. But yet, he hardened his heart. Even with that terrifying uh, possibility, he still hardened his heart. Now, Rabbeinu Bakya adds this. That this miracle symbolized something so cool. I never saw this before. But Rabbeinu Bakya taught me something. The miracle of the staff swallowing the snakes symbolizes the splitting of the Sea of Reeds, the splitting of the Red Sea. How so? Hashem would cause the sea to swallow Pharaoh and his legions. It was a little preview for you, Pharaoh. Just a little preview of what's to come. Yet that was not good enough to bring Pharaoh to the Shuvah. Therefore, the same staff was used at the Nile River now. Going on with Shemot Rabbah 9.9. It asks, why were the waters of the Nile River struck first? And why were they turned into blood? Like, why that? Why, why, why didn't we have the plague of the firstborn first? Why not have the hail first? Wouldn't that be, you know, a bit more like, have a bit more of a wow factor, Right? There was a specific reason. This is the answer. Because Pharaoh and the Egyptians worshipped that river. They worshipped that river. Again, remember, the river, I have a little critter here following me along, uh, following, following me around. Um, I'm sorry, what was that? What are the plague? Yeah, let's, let's crush it. Let's crush that plague. <laughs> but um, remember, the Nile fed Egypt. That was the only way they survived. It did not and still does not rain a lot in Egypt hardly at all. The Nile is their sustenance. So they worship the river. So the Holy One, blessed is He therefore said I shall strike Pharaoh's God first and afterward his people. It was a judgment on the God of Egypt. The national God of Egypt. Which by the way, didn't Pharaoh say he created it? Right? And friends, when does blood flow? When, when our skin is penetrated, right? Either a scratch, right? We get stabbed with a knife, we get shot with a, a bullet, with a gun. So there's some kind of penetration, right? some kind of cut in our body, right? Then when the cut comes, boom, the blood flows. The bigger the cut, the bigger the, the flow, right? And it's harder to stop. At some points, if you cut... Um, for example, right here, 
right, by accident or whatever, or whatever you, you end up getting yourself cut here on the leg, you got to wrap a tourniquet, right, around the upper, upper part of that body part to stop the flow. Or else it won't stop and you'll die, right? So we've established when blood flows, right? What happened to the river? When the staff went in? River flowed. Through Aaron's staff, Hashem cut open the national God of Egypt before the eyes of the one who created it. Cut it. Hashem was introducing himself to Egypt and the world with a grand entrance. And uh, he was not fashionably late. You know, you guys heard that term, fashionably late, right? Some, you know, there's a party, they get together, right? And then uh, you're like, hey, let's go. It's going to be at seven. Got to get there. It's already, it's already going to be uh, I'm not going to show up till 7.30, right? Because I'm going to show up fashionably late, right? So everyone can see me when I come in. Wow, look at how she's dressed, right? Well, Hashem didn't do that. Hashem came right on time, right? He came right on time. Now, in addition, listen to this. Just as the swallowing of the sorcerer's serpents by Aaron's staff was the preview of Hashem's blockbuster movie, right? The splitting of the Sea of Reed. That's a preview of the blockbuster. Coming this summer, right? The bleeding of the Nile previewed the bleeding of Pharaoh's legions at the Sea of Reeds, where Israel would see the waters turn to blood again. I don't know if y'all caught that. Boom. In the river, the staff goes in. Blood everywhere. Splitting of the Sea of Reeds. The staff swallows a snake. Hashem swallows all, Pharaoh and all his legions. And what happens? Blood fills the Sea of Reeds. The Israelites are on the other side. And what do they see? The dead bodies everywhere on the seashore. The, the waters filled with blood. And they remembered, just like in the Nile. That's why he started that way. That's why he started. Now we get it. It's kind of like when you see a preview in the movie, right? You're like, oh, that was such a cool scene. What? Why? Why? I, oh, I can't wait to see the movie. And you see the movie, you're like, oh, that's why they showed that in the preview. Right? Yet despite all these warnings, Pharaoh hardens heart. So what is the message the Torah is sending to us? Because every... Everything in the oral Torah, everything in the written Torah and the oral Torah has a message for us. Everything. What's the message? We're going to learn from Chabad's Rebbe. Chabad's Rebbe today. He wrote a, a commentary called Likutei Sichot. Likutei Sichot. And in it, listen to what he writes. The first of the ten plagues, which is a turning of uh, the now river to blood. The first of the ten plagues was the transformation of cold river water. Everybody say cold. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a river. You got into a river. They're always cold. Even in the summer, they're cold. You go to the beach, even in the beach, in the island. The, the, you got, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I take a step at a time. If I'm at the beach, right? I'm, I'm one of those, right? Uh, my, one of my sons, he just dives in. He's like, come on, just dive in. Get over with, right? Sometimes I do that, but oh, I'm so scared, right? It's like, oh, it's like a shock. Oh, right. So I just do it little by little, right? Because it's so cold, right? Water's just cold. So the first of the 10 plagues was a transformation of cold river water to warm blood. Blood is not cold. Blood is warm. Gets that. 
So what does this signify? This signifies the transformation of cold indifference. Have you ever heard the term cold shoulder? Right? Oh man, she's giving me the cold shoulder. Right? Which means she's indifferent towards me. She's, she's ignoring me. Right? So as if I don't exist. Right? That's what that's talking about. It's a transformation of cold indifference, which Pharaoh had. Right? Who is this God? Who is Hashem? I created everything. Right? Toward the one true God. Transformation of cold indifference toward the one true God into warm submission and excitement and passion towards Him. That was the goal of the plague. Did you know that? Hashem wants every man to repent. Did He want Pharaoh to repent? Yeah. But he already knew Pharaoh's heart. So he knew he's not going to repent. No matter what I do, he knew. Right? Yet, this was the message to him. But it's not just a message to Pharaoh. It was a message to Egypt. And it was a message to Israel. And it's a message to you and me. That we are to avoid at all costs cold indifference like that water. And we got to warm up to Hashem at all costs through submission to his commandments and excitement towards them. Now, indifference, as I mentioned, right, is a lack of interest, right? It's a mediocre attitude, right? Um, Yeshua talked about this. Yeshua talked about this in the book of Hitgalut in Revelation. He said, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but he said, um, hey, I'd rather you be hot, right, like blood, or cold, cold, like a river, but you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. You are mediocre. You are indifferent. Right? He said, basically, I'm paraphrasing here. If you remain indifferent, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because I don't know about you, but I love cold, I love to drink cold, ice cold water. I don't know about you guys. I love ice cold water. And I love, I like, my wife loves, I like hot coffee, right? I'm not a big coffee guy, right? But I, have you guys ever tried warm, lukewarm coffee? Like, where it's been sitting there for like an hour, right? right? It, it almost gets cool, <laughs> right? Almost cold, right? And you drink it, like, oh, uh, right? You want to spew it out of your mouth, right? That's what Yeshua is warning us too. Hey, listen to the message of the plague, of the first plague. Because I don't want to, by no means, do I want to spew you out of my mouth. But if we remain, guess what? I will. That's his message. Right? Sadly, Pharaoh and Egypt refused to warm their hearts towards Yeshua. Right? Now, through our, our Mashiach, through Yeshua, we have been freed from Egypt. Right? Mitzrayim is Egypt in Hebrew. Mitzrayim means a, like a constriction. Like we're limited. We're, we're, we're like in a tight space, constricted space. We can't move. We're just trapped. Slavery. Right? Um, now, our ancestors were literally there. We are not. But just remember, whenever it's Pesach, we're to, live and go through the Seder as if we were there, right? But 
we weren't there, literally, right? However, we were in another way, in sin. When we're in sin, when we're trapped by sin, we're trapped, aren't we? I don't know if you guys have been there. Hopefully not. I mean, I think we are. We all have, right? Um, we're like, we know there's a better way. We know God doesn't want us to do this, and yet we're trapped. We're constricted, and then I try to go here, I try to go there, I try to lose myself, and I can't. And what happens then? We put our trust in Yeshua, our Mashiach, right? And then, boom, he frees us, right? Which is amazing. However, have you heard the term, you can take the guy out of the RGV? You can't take the RGV out of the guy <laughs> or the girl, right? We were in, uh, in a city called Beit Shemesh in, in Israel. We were on this tour, the same tour actually that I was talking about earlier. And the guy was taking us to an ancient cistern, thousand year old, thousands of years old cistern, which is underwater. Uh, it was where they would store water underground, right? So he's taking us there, and as we're walking there, we see this whole row of nopales, cactus, or cacti, right? A whole bunch of nopales, and we're like, my wife and I were looking at each other, nopales, what? What? Are we in the valley? What's going on? Is this Mexico, right? What? Yo, arriba, right? We're just like, yay, right? Uh, we had some um, home cooking there, right? We're like, wow. And we, we, my, my wife and I, we bust out our phones. We were taking pictures, right? And everyone's looking at us like, okay. <laughs> What's the big deal? And then the guy says, uh, cactus are not native to Israel. We're like, yeah, we know. We know. They're native here. Where we're from. They're actually, they were imported from Mexico. That's right. <laughs> so, right, we're like, we're, we're far from the RGV, right? But, hey, you can't take the RGV out of us, right? We're anywhere we notice anything RGV, we're like, hey, right? You know, with Mashiach, though, let me, let me rephrase that. Without Mashiach, that applies to Egypt, too. Okay? That applies to our Egypt of sin. Because without Mashiach, we can try, 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 try all that we can. But then um, you may be freed out of Egypt, right? You may have, have had some level of trust at one point. But then if you didn't persist, if you didn't continue, if you didn't warm your heart consistently and follow him and celebrate him in the wilderness, that's the purpose of freedom, to receive the Torah, then uh, most definitely uh, we can't take the Egypt out of the guy or the girl. Right? But with Mashiach, he can. Everybody say can. He can take the guy and the girl out of Egypt. And he can take the Egypt out of the guy and the girl. Did you hear me? He most definitely can. Will he is up to us. The problem is never on his end. The problem is always on our end. What are we putting in? Now, our Mitzrayim of sin, our Egypt of sin does not want us to leave. Uh, we're going to be studying Shemot, Vayikra, right? Leviticus, Bamidbar, uh, Numbers, Devarim, Deuteronomy. We're going to be studying all this, and we've already studied the journey, right? Out of Mitzrayim and how the Israelites struggled, right? We wanted to go back and all these things, right? And sin and the golden calf and all these things. And the, and the, the what do you call it? The, um, 
the sin of the spies and all these things, right? So just because Mashiach has freed us doesn't mean that's it, it's over. It's just the beginning. Our Mitzrayim of sin does not want to leave us alone. So what does it do? It clings, portions of it cling to us as we leave Egypt. Through what? Through our minds, through our thoughts, through our hearts, through our desires. And then eventually, sadly, through our hands, through our actions and our feet. Right? So how do we overcome? The very first step to overcome this lingering of sin is to replace any cold indifference we have towards the Torah, towards Judaism, with warm submission and passion for Hashem and His commandments and His mitzvot. See, what we need to ask ourselves is, what am I indifferent to when it comes to Torah? What am I indifferent to? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we're all indifferent towards something. We're, we're like, yeah, I'll do this, and I'll get my pom-poms out for this, but that, and we use the excuse, I'm not there yet, right? And some of us, yeah, we're not there yet, right? But if we keep using the excuse, I'm not there yet, right? When are we going to get there, <laughs> right? Rav Hillel taught us that. Don't say, I'll study Torah when I have time, because then if you say that, you're never going to have time, right? And so ask we need to ask ourselves, what am I indifferent to? What is it about me that I'm like mm, mediocre about? What area of Judaism am I, uh, right? Am I mediocre about? Am I indifferent towards prayer? Right? Am I indifferent towards prayer? Am I like, ah, and you know, you guys are all praying and, you know, I'm just going to sit back and watch, right? I mean, you know, that, that's, that's a bit of indifference right there. You know what, I'll show, up, I'll show up later after the prayers. That's a bit of indifference. Are we praying at home? Right? Do we wait? When we wake up, is the first thing we're doing prayer? Or is it the last thing at night? Right? Maybe in the mid-afternoon, right? You sprinkle it here and there. Like, what is, am I indifferent towards prayer? Or is it something that I'm going to, is my heart warm towards prayer? Right? Am I indifferent towards the synagogue? Towards attendance in synagogue, towards the Torah study, towards keeping kosher, right? Towards teachings, right? We can be indifferent to teachings, right? Just because we're here doesn't mean, I mean, how, how many, let's be honest, how many teachings have we sat in on, right? And, right? It just went over our heads, right? In and you what the other, but not the other, right? I've been there, right? With my own. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I've been there, <coughs> excuse me, most definitely have been there. Are we indifferent towards Shabbat? Right? Are we practicing Shabbat the same way we've been practicing it for years? Or are we growing in our observance? Are we growing in the halakha? Or are we just still the same? Right? Are we indifferent Mediocre, lukewarm towards our fellow Jews, right? Towards those in a shul. Friends, if you look around, is everybody here? Oh, right? That should cause us some concern. That should cause us to, you know, tomorrow or maybe tonight after, after Havdalah, pick up our phone, 
right, maybe maybe dial somebody up. Hey, we missed you. Maybe you're like, ah, you know, or maybe a text. Right? Maybe a visit. Hey, we missed you. Right, we missed you. Not uh, hey, 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 hey. Didn't see you there. You weren't. Where you been? Where you been? Hey, <laughs> right? You went on time. Come on. Hey, where are you? Where are you? None of that now. Right? Are we indifferent towards forgiveness? Right? Towards forgiveness. This this person hurt me. <sighs> One day I'll forgive him. Right? One day. I understand. Hey, I I would not dare make light of any situation. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. We've all been hurt. And we're going to continue to be hurt. Right? And some hurts were some hurts hurt more than others. Some wounds are deep. Right? But you know what? There's a commandment. Forgive. Are we passive towards that? Are we indifferent towards that? Just like right? You know what we gotta do, friends? To alleviate all this. We have to attack. Everybody say attack. We gotta attack. See, because you know, you know what happens for many people? We play defense all the time. We're just like, where are the fire darts? The fire darts are coming. Oh, boom. Fire dart! Oh my god. And we live uh, kind of like paranoid, right? Where's the temptations coming? The temptation! No! Right? Sickness! Illness! Right? Persecution! Right? We're, we're all paranoid. Because we're playing defense all the time. What do we got to do? We got to attack. We got to go at the enemy. How do we do that? We post up and just, hey, come on, what's up, what's up? Let's go. No, we don't, we don't do anything. It's one of my favorite movies is, uh, is Lego Batman. I don't know if you guys have seen Lego Batman. I just, I just love Lego Batman. I love the introduction because uh, it's, it's a DC movie. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but DC is the, the comic company that made Batman, right? So it comes out, DC. And then in the background, Lego Batman is <laughs> in the background talking. He goes, DC. The house that Batman built. What's up, what's up, what's up Superman? Come at me, bro. <laughs> He's like posting up a Superman, right? Like, come at me, bro, because they're the kind of enemies, right? Um, that's not what I'm talking about. We don't got to post up to Hasatan, cursed be he. We don't got to post up to him, right? You'll lose, <laughs> okay? We'll lose. So don't be doing that to so no demons or anything like that. What I'm talking about is it. The message is this. Attack the indifference. With consistent obedience. Do you hear what I'm saying? Consi- Everybody say consistent. Obedience. How's that going to help? See, even though things got worse after the swallowing of the serpents, you guys remember that? The staff, Aaron's staff, swallowed the serpents. Pharaoh hardened his heart and he said, Oh, yeah? Well, now. You guys can't have any straw to make the bricks. You gotta find your own straw now. But the quota is the same. You gotta produce the same amount of, of bricks. Bruh, really? I thought you were supposed to deliver us, Moshe. Like now you're making it, making it harder. See, that's what happens a lot of times, right? We attack, we face up, and things get worse sometimes. But even though, even though things got worse after the swallowing of the serpents. Moshe and Aharon, what did they do? Did they panic and leave? 
they consistently obeyed Hashem's commands. Hashem said, okay, next, I want you to go to the river, catch him in the act, right? He's not a god, right? And then put that staff up to scare the living daylights out of him. Hopefully that'll work, right? Not, okay, let's do another one. Let's do a total of 10 then, right? Spit the sea. And the whole time, who's Hashem doing this through? He's not doing it himself. Through the staff. Take up the staff. Take up the staff. Take up the staff. I'm sure Moshe and Aharon were thinking, things just got worse. If we, do, if we, if we rouse the tiger, he might eat us alive. But they didn't do that. They put up the staff. Friends, that's what we got to do. We got to take on one inconsistency that we have and attack it today. And then you know what? Once we attack it, you know what? I don't know if you guys have ever faced some kind of challenge in your life. You're just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. You finally face it. And you have some level of success. And you're like, oh my gosh. That wasn't that hard. That wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad. And I'm still alive and I'm still okay. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Yeah, right? Because you played offense. You didn't play defense. Friends, I, I used to, I coach basketball and football. If we're playing defense the whole game, we just stay on this side, on, on the court, on defense. We steal the ball and we throw it back there. And well, no, we say, you got a fast break. No, 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 we're just playing defense. <laughs> Does that make any sense? And they come and attack, right? And then we just, we block it and then, let's go! Throw it back to them. Right? We steal the ball. Yeah! Throw it back to them. <laughs> well, I mean, nobody's going to want to watch that on, you know, on Sunday afternoon or, or Monday night or whenever the games are. Nobody's going to want to watch that. So you know what we've got to do, guys? We've got to enact some offense. Take on one inconsist- inconsistency and attack it. And then tomorrow, you know what you do? Bezrar Hashem. Be'ezrah Hashem, with God's help, you attack it again. And you get a little bit more confidence. Because the confidence is not in you. The confidence is in what Hashem is doing through you. And then the next day, again, by the time you know it, you've conquered in Yeshua. We're going to end with this. The Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch is where we get our halakha. It's a five-volume series. Um, and this is where the Jewish law is at. Every little detail of what we do and not do and all that. So listen to what Shulchan, Shulchan Aruch says in Siman 6. It's like kind of like chapter 6, I guess. It gives us a halakha for reciting blessings, the Jewish law for reciting blessings, brachot, any blessing, including prayers, like shacharit. Listen to what it says. And he should not perform the recitation of a blessing in the manner of one who does something out of habit and utters words from his mouth without thinking. How many of us have done that, if we're honest with ourselves? I've done that. I'm, I've done that at home. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm using my sador. I'm praying mincha or mariv or whatever. And then I'll stop myself. I'm like, I just did a whole paragraph without even thinking. Oh, my gosh. And I go back and I start over that paragraph. Not the whole thing. I go back to that paragraph and I start over. I catch myself. It happens to me. Right? It happens to us all. And listen to what it says. 
continues, it was about this matter that the wrath of Hashem flared and said in Yeshayahu 29.13, that's Isaiah 29.13, inasmuch, and by the way, Yeshua quoted this, inasmuch as this nation has drawn close with its mouth and with its lips has honored me, yet it has distanced its heart from me. Their fear of me is like a rote learning of human commands. They come to my house, to the synagogue, and they pray before me set prayers as one continuing the customs of his ancestors simply because it is what he has always done, not wholeheartedly. But when they are reciting the blessings, listen, this is it right here. This is the cat. This is the, the kicker. But when they are reciting the blessings, they do not have in mind to actually bless me. Oh, wow. Right? Right? We have the phrase, I mean, locked and loaded. Right? But if it's just rote memorization, oh, it's because our ancestors passed this down to us. Yes, they did. And yes, Yeshua prayed them. Yes, we follow the example of Yeshua. Yes, we don't stop. Oh, then we, then we can we do what the Christian world does. And you know what? We can't do it anyway, so let's forget it. Let's throw the baby off of the bathwater. Throw the whole Torah out because we can't do it anyways. Right? Isn't that how we were brought up in Christianity? Right? Throw it all out. That's not the answer. The answer is this. Unlike Pharaoh and Mitzrayim and Egypt, we need to heed the call to repentance from indifference, from mediocre attitude. That says, meh, right? Eh. Oh, I went through a whole, well, I went through all the liturgy here today, and you know, I just read, I just read words. Eh. Right? I started, I, I'm, I'm, I, I recited the bracha, you know, we're doing Bikr Hamason, and you know, eh. I'll listen in, whatever. Right? Friends, the solution is, not to get rid of our prayers. Heaven forbid. Let us warm our hearts. That's the solution. Warm our hearts towards all things Torah. By keeping our focus on blessing Hashem consistently. What did I say is the solution to uh, that mediocre attitude with regards to sin? It's Consistent obedience, right? But if we, we, we can go from one extreme to the other. Now I'm going to consistently obey. I'm going to attack and attack. And I'm going to pray all three prayers every day. And I'm going to study Torah every day. I'm going to say all the brachot. And I'm going to say 100 blessings a day. And I'm going to do, 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 do. Awesome. But then we're so focused on that that we forget sometimes to bless the one we're supposed to be blessing. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. I hope it does. So when we pray, when we come to shul, when we keep a kosher home, when we light Shabbat candles, when the ladies, not we, sorry, when the ladies <laughs> light Shabbat candles, when the gentlemen wrap tefillin, tefillin, when we wear a talit katan, when we wear a head covering, both men and, men and married women, when we listen to the drashua teaching, when we interact with others or study Torah, we got to do it all consistently but remember the focus, all to bless Him. I hope you guys are catching this. Judaism is all about balance. It's not one 
or the other. It's both. The solution, friends, is never, ever, ever, ever to stop. It's simply to refocus and be consistent. Friends, attack today. Attack your indifference today. Attack it tomorrow. Bezrah Hashem. Father, we praise you and we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, my God, because you have freed us from Mitzrayim. Through Yeshua HaMashiach, you have freed us from this Egypt of constriction and sin and being trapped in slavery. Thank you so much for this. Thank you because that is not the end. That is not even the middle. That is only the beginning. Thank you because your desire is for us to celebrate you in the wilderness, to celebrate you and worship you through the Torah, through your commandments. Help us, Father, to erase our differences, Lord, to erase the cold waters within us and to turn those into warm blood, that warmth of teshuvah, of repentance, Father. Give us a strength. Give us a focus. Speak to us. I pray that you would speak to all of us, Lord God. That you would put in our hearts right now, Lord, those areas or that area that needs to be erased today. We praise you and we thank you and we ask for your divine help today. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, our Mashiach, we pray. Hebrew. Hallelujah.